One of the ironies, though, of our, our modern life is that we go across the ocean, uh, but we don't go across the street. We know more about, you know, what's happening in uh, India and other parts of the world than we know about what's happening in the house next door. And we live in our homes as if they were sort of these castles and we don't have moats or drawbridges, but we have electronic garage door openers and we come and go without ever leaving our car and we don't never, we never need to speak to a neighbor. We live in our backyards rather than our front yards and we have the unwelcome mat out instead of the welcome mat. And we live in splendid isolation from each other. And there is an epidemic of loneliness in our culture today. We're relationally impoverished. We live in communities that are communities in name only. We have forfeited the best opportunity to organically, appropriately, naturally influence those around us for the kingdom. And we are living, I think, in direct disobedience to Jesus' very explicit and clear command to love our neighbor. So let's look at briefly what Jesus said uh, about that in a passage that's probably very familiar to many here. Uh, I'm going to just talk you through it and we'll uh, look at some of the implications. But uh, in Luke chapter 10, uh, Jesus is asked a question by a, a, a lawyer, somebody who studied the law of the Old Testament. And there were 613 commandments or so. And the lawyer asked Jesus, what, is, what do I need to do to inherit eternal life? And uh, Jesus says, well, you've studied the law. What does it say? How do you read it? And the guy said, well, love God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength and with all your mind. And love your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus said, right, do this and you will live. And the guy asked a follow-up question and he said, well, who is my neighbor? And uh, Luke makes the comment. He was seeking to justify himself. He wanted to know where you draw the line between the people that you're supposed to love and the people that you're excused from caring about. And, and Jesus told the story of the Good Samaritan. And he said a man was going down the, the road from Jerusalem to Jericho. And he was fallen upon by thieves. And they beat him and they robbed him and they left him for half dead in the, in the, in the road. And a priest walked by and went to the other side. And uh, a, a Levite walked by and passed on the other side. And then a despised Samaritan came down the road and he had compassion. And he stopped and he uh, bathed the man's wounds with oil and wine. And 
he bandaged him up and he put him on his donkey and he carried him to the nearest inn and there he provided for his care for a, a day or, or, or two. And he said, if, and when I return, he said, if there are any additional expenses, I'll cover that. And Jesus said, now who was a neighbor to this man? And of course, the, the, the lawyer said, well, the one who had compassion. And Jesus said, go and uh, do likewise, and you will live. And uh, so, we have taken that story, and it has become so familiar to us, it's helped us to redefine neighbor. So, neighbor becomes a metaphor for anybody who is in need, who we may come across. They could be a stranger, somebody that we don't even know. And we've learned that it's our responsibility in fulfilling this command to love our neighbor, to love even those who are strangers to us, who are from a different ethnic group or a different culture, who speak a different language, maybe from a different socioeconomic group. It's our responsibility to love all people. But in saying that, when we get to the point where we feel obligated to love everybody, the result is all too often we love nobody. Jesus did not intend by giving us this command and this story to excuse us from loving those who are our literal neighbors. And unfortunately, you know, we, I think, have all too often failed in that very simple, clear commandment. And, uh, I, you know, I, in your bulletin today, you have an insert, and it looks like this. I've got a bigger version of it here. Uh, but let me ask you a question. If your house is in the middle, as is pictured here, and these eight squares that are surrounding it are your neighbors, the eight homes that are closest to your home, how many of these squares could you fill with the names of the people who live in those houses? Now, some of you are saying, oh, yeah, no problem. That's a piece of cake. You're doing great. But if you're like me, I know I can't fill in all eight of those squares. I can maybe do half of them with the names. And so we, 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 we cross the boundaries of our, 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 our city to go to downtown Toledo, uh, rehabbing a home, working with that neighborhood church, supporting the pregnancy center, water for Ishmael, working with immigrants, people that are learning English as a second language, we go to West Virginia. We've got plans to go to Mexico, to Guatemala. 
Uh, we'll go lots of places. But we won't cross the street. And if you're like most of us, these squares are still a blank. We don't know the people that live closest to us. I, I think of the outreach ministry of the church, kind of like a, if I had to picture it in a, uh, a visual, I'd, 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 I'd create a donut. You know, here we, we live uh, in, in, in the middle of the donut, and we, we, we go to all these places to, to serve people in other parts of the, the northwest Ohio and other parts of the country and the world. But who is serving Sylvania? And I bet that this is duplicated from church to church in our area. And part of the reason is because, um, you know, we, the needs aren't as obvious here in this community. I mean, we're an affluent community. We don't need to give people food for the most part. We don't need to worry about whether their kids have winter coats warm enough so that they can go to school or whether they, they have school supplies. We don't need to worry about whether people can pay their gas bill or not. But uh, we, the people that live next door to us do need friends who will walk selflessly with them through the bumps in their marriages, through the stresses they have at work, through the challenges of parenting, Someone once said, be kind to everyone you meet, because everyone you meet is fighting a battle. I can guarantee you that the people that live next door to you, that live catty corner to you, across the street or behind your house, every one of them is fighting a battle. So your assignment, if we want to, you know... Um, put it that way, for the year is to, is, to, is, to, is to get one of these charts, put it on your refrigerator, and begin filling in the blanks. After you get the names, if you get the bigger chart, there's, there are, 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 are lines there. After you get the names, see if you can start filling in something about them, what they do, their hobbies. And then their hopes, their cares, their dreams. You know, Jesus said to the disciples in Acts chapter 1, He said, uh, You shall be My witnesses. After the Holy Spirit's come upon you and He empowers you, you shall be My witnesses in, in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and unto the uttermost parts of the world. And, and, and so, you know, we, we, uh, we forget that there's Jerusalem that needs to be reached. And Sylvania is our Jerusalem. It's where we've been planted. Maybe you don't live right in the, the Sylvania area. Maybe you live down in Maumee or somewhere else. That's your Jerusalem. Your neighborhood is your Jerusalem. You are a missionary to your neighborhood. God has called you 
to do the simplest, clearest thing. Love your neighbor. Love where you live. Love where you live. You know, we can't be good at everything in life. But doesn't it make sense to be good, to be really good at the two most important things that Jesus said? Loving God and loving our neighbor. And so we want to make this year, you know, a year of, of serving and serving Sylvania. If we don't, who will? If not now, then when? You know, one of the uh, stories that comes out of this movement, it's a neighboring movement uh, and, and, and throughout the, the country, really, uh, because churches are discovering this is the most organic, natural way to reach their communities. You know, it's okay to put tracks on the windshield of cars. You could stand on a street corner and preach. And I'm not saying we shouldn't do that. But honestly, if we don't love our neighbors, we've missed out on the most obvious and effective way to have an influence for Christ. And uh, so... So it's it's this year let's let's serve Sylvania. Let's love where we live. Doesn't mean we won't go to downtown Toledo. Doesn't mean we won't go to West Virginia or Mexico or Guatemala. Cuz we will. Let's not forget to love where we live. To love where we live. So the story uh, is about a, a woman who uh, uh, lived in a, in a neighborhood and her grass had grown quite quite high and, and it was becoming a, a nuisance and the city was about to send its workers to cut the grass, but they knew that this church and this community you know, did, did stuff like this and they called the pastor and they said, would you consider helping out so that this woman doesn't incur the expense of having city workers come and do what was needed on the outside of her house. And so the pastor stopped by the house and discovered that the woman that lived there was in her 30s. She had survived stage three or four cancer. She was fostering a nine-year-old child and she had just been overwhelmed, you know, by life and had not been able to get to any of this. She was relieved that somebody cared enough to stop and offer help. And so the church did and continued to serve her after that. And the pastor was feeling pretty good about it until he discovered that within easy walking distance of her house, there were four members of his church. And that, that nothing had been done. Nothing had been said. No effort had been made. No one had noticed. No one was paying attention to their neighborhood. And uh, how tragic that, that there's a mission field in our own backyard, literally. And we never go there. So, 
you know, I encourage you on Tuesday nights, this uh, starting this week, Betty Bassett, our outreach director, will be leading a class uh, uh, working through the book, The Art of Neighboring. It's a simple uh, little book, but very helpful in, in kick-starting uh, this, this process. And I encourage you to join us for that, 6.30 to, 9, uh, to 8 o'clock here with everything else that's going on. There's child care and everything, programs for kids. Um, consider signing up for that out in the display area after you, you leave the service today. Uh, we'll also be having the author, one of the authors of that book, come and speak here at our church on March 12th uh, this year. And uh, another another way to, to, to be a catalyst for this movement. Um, and we've invited some other churches to join us for a workshop in the afternoon. Uh, but that'll be a, a great event as well. And, and take baby steps. You can start this today. This week, on the back of this larger sheet, there's a number of, of suggestions for just simple things that, that, that we can do uh, to love our neighbor. Take regular neighborhood, uh, regular neighborhood walk with your family. Walk slow. Take time to meet and talk to neighbors. Maybe not today or tomorrow, <laughs> but when the weather gets a little warmer, shovel your neighborhood si- neighbor's sidewalk. My neighbor and I like to do that for each other. Neighboring is easier when you do it with friends who around you would be a good partner. Team up. You don't have to do this by yourself. Everyone loves receiving gifts. Find a way to, to bless someone through gift giving. doesn't have to be fancy. Neighboring is also about receiving. You have a need, ask a neighbor for help. A great way to connect. And uh, so, it's a start. We're not doing this to manipulate people in our neighborhoods to show up to church. This is not a promotion. This is, is not something we're, we're asking you to do with an ulterior motive. We just are asking you to be obedient to Jesus' command to love your neighbor. And whatever follows from that will follow from that. As you share your life, sure, there, there will be influence that you will have on your neighbor. There will be influences that they will have on us as we share life together. But it's not meant to be uh, manipulative. Um, and... It's uh, uh, it, it 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 is it is countercultural. Uh, this is difficult. It won't be easy. People are busy. Many of your neighbors are not going to be receptive to whatever it is you may decide to do. Because they're busy. The bandwidth uh, uh, of our, our lives is so full that it's going to be hard for us to make time, 
to do this, and it will be hard for our neighbors, some of them, to open their hearts and their lives to us. That's okay. But there will be some who will welcome the, the warmth and the love and the genuine offer of friendship. That it's our privilege to, to, to offer. And uh, I, I, uh, I was doing a calculation this week. Um, didn't, it wasn't necessarily real accurate, but uh, this church facility has about 60,000 square feet uh, of space. So, and it provides a wonderful platform for, from which we can serve our community. And we open this facility free of charge to anybody in our community that needs a place to meet, to practice with their basketball team or rehearse with their cheerleading squad or whatever. And that's a great, great thing to do. But um, when I started thinking about it, if we take the number of households that there are in this church, and I, again, it was a rough calculation, maybe 400 households in our church, um, and the, the square footage in each house, maybe 1,800 square feet, bump, maybe 2,000, who knows? But uh, 400 times 1,800 or 2,000, you know, we're, we, we, we are bumping three quarters to a million square feet of space from which in our community, from which we can serve our community. And so each one of us has the privilege of using our home, of using our yards, of, of using our lives to be a, a, a light and salt in our, our community. I, I'll never forget a, uh, a relationship that I had when early in my ministry um, with a, a gentleman named Ron Small. Uh, I lived next door to him when I was pastoring a little church in a, in a, in a small town in Pennsylvania. And uh, we, we hunted together, we fished together, we went to baseball games together, basketball games, and you know, we're just buddies. He never came to church. But uh, he wrote me a letter a couple of years later. And he said, Andy, you know, before you came, I couldn't talk to anybody. And when you came, I could talk to you. And now I can talk to God. And, and so, you know, you, you build a relationship with people. And it has the potential of changing lives forever. And so I want to invite you into this process of loving your neighbor. Love where you live. Let's serve Sylvania in 2017. And as, a, as a, an act of, of commitment here, I, I just want to invite everybody to stand for a minute here as we conclude the, the service. And uh, I, I want to pray for you, and I want to commission you today. 
to love where you live. In the name of Jesus, who commanded us to love the uttermost parts of the world, to love Samaria, to love Judea, and to love Jerusalem, the place where we live. In the name of Jesus, I commission you to be salt and light on your street. To your next door neighbors, to the people that live across the street from you, to the people in your neighborhood, to the people in your subdivision, may the Holy Spirit empower you and flow through you and shine through you to those to whom, with whom you live the closest. In Jesus' name.